Uh, well, good morning, HSM. Uh, we, we're rolling through this morning. It's, our, it's only 11.10. I got 50 minutes to preach. This is great. You guys ready? Just kidding. Uh, so uh, first things first, um, I want to apologize. We have not decorated. I just realized, like, there is nothing Christmassy in the Boo. If you want Christmas decor, do it yourself. Uh, uh, first things first, we need Bibles. You are going to need a Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, we can pass them out. Um, we can get those out. Make sure that we have them. Uh, second thing second, you're going to need that little note card. Everyone should have one under their chair. There's plenty of empty chairs, and so you can grab a, a note card from someone else if you don't have one. You're going to need that. That's the notes for this morning for the message that we're doing. So Bibles, note cards, uh, and then... The third thing, third thing's third. I am so sad that I missed kickball on Wednesday. Genuinely. We're going to play again in the spring because <laughs> I missed it. Uh, it. It pays to plan the games, huh? <laughs> All right. Okay, everyone got a Bible? We're going to be looking at a few different passages, but you can turn to John 20. John 20 is where we're going to start. Um, and then you can leave it open. And the very first thing that you are going to do uh, is you are going to take that note card and you are going to flip it over and you're going to write on the blank side. Let me ask this question. What is one thing that would make you believe that the God of the Bible is real? Let me maybe help you with that. Like, what is one thing that could happen, that would be said, that would be done, that would help you to truly believe that we're not putting up a front here, that the God of the Bible is real? What is one thing that would help you? Just, this isn't something you're going to share with anyone. Like, this is just an opportunity for you to take a moment to consider what's one thing that could happen that would help you believe that this is all real. Take, a, take about like 90 seconds to think about it, to write it down. That's for you, it's not for anyone else. Once again, if you're like wondering why everyone's quiet, uh, what's one thing, one thing that you, you believe would help you believe that the God of the Bible is real? I'll give you like another 20 seconds. The series that we're doing is called Eventually, which is a play on words. Um, 
someone came up with it, we won't say who, uh, but uh, the season of Advent, which is really the four weeks of leading up to Christmas that we are anticipating, just like the Jewish people were anticipating Jesus being born, which obviously historically that's already happened. So when we're participating in Advent, we're actually like coming alongside those people as we're looking forward to Christmas being a day where we celebrate that God showed up, that he took on human flesh, became a baby, and he lived a perfect life, and then paid a perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And so in this season, we're like looking forward to Christmas, but also there's something really sweet. As, as the Jewish people were looking forward to the Messiah coming for the first time, we as Christians, we look forward to him returning. Every single one of us is well aware that this world is not perfect. There are still things that are yet to be fixed. And we long for the day when, when God will actually finish what he started. There are so many things that make this life so sweet, but there's also plenty of things that make this life really hard. And so our hope with this series, eventually, was talking about these things that will not be forever. Am I like super echoey? Like, or am I just hearing myself? No? Okay, great. Cool, I'm just hearing myself echoey. Um, yeah, maybe it's all of the mucus in my brain. Um, so uh, it's this idea that we are looking forward to the day when these things will be no more. And so last week, we got to talk about, or Liv talked about, how there will be a day that there is no more temptation, which was really sweet. And today, we're talking about how there will be a day when we no longer experience doubt. I imagine the, the thing that you wrote down on the piece of paper um, has been something that, maybe it's the first time you've thought of it, but I imagine it's something that you've thought of before, of like, God, why, why couldn't you just do this, it would make it so much easier to follow you if you, if you would do this. And maybe you've come into this room um, even in a season of doubt, of where you, you feel like the, the God of the Bible is actually really hard to believe to be true. Or maybe you've, you're walking out of a season of doubt, or maybe you've never even doubted, wherever you're at right now, that, that we would just know that there will be a day that doubt is no more. But first, we're going to take a look at, at John 20 as we look at a guy who got the nickname Doubting Thomas, which is not fun. Um, but we're going to look at John 20, 24 through 29, and we've been doing it in this series, and so we're going to keep it up in honor of God's word. Would you guys stand with me as we read it? Looking at John 20, 24 through 29, it says this, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of his nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Father, we, we take this moment um, and just bear our hearts before you. There have been so many moments for each of us in this room where we have believed and we have not seen you. And Lord, there have been times where we have not believed because we have not seen you. And all of that, Lord, in all of our, our mess of our lives, 
we pause on this Sunday to look to you and to ask you to help us to live with the doubts we encounter. Father, would you guide us through your word and would you remind us that you, you are still king, you still reign, and you're still with us even when we doubt. We love you. Praise things in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. You may be seated. We're going to be hopping around the Bible a little bit, but we're going to be starting off with that little passage. Uh, I remember in high school, uh, I was in a small group, um, which I, was, I had different small group leaders every year in high school. I started going to youth group when I was a sophomore, and I just like hopped around groups, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. They were mixed grade groups um, that I went to. Um, and I remember it was my junior year, I didn't really get along with the leader. Sometimes it happens, that's fine. But there was uh, this this time when I was like so young in my faith and I was trying to figure things out. Like I was really hungry, but I was also like running in conflict with like these things that would like cause tension in my heart. And one of those things was we were talking about relationships in our small group. And not just like who's dating who, but like what's it look like to date wisely and to prepare for marriage and whatnot. And of course, I was really curious. Like I wanted to know these things. But uh, we started talking about how it was wise not to move in with someone you were dating before you were married. And as a junior in high school who was new in his faith, I was super confused by that. I was like, why would you do that? Like, I mean, why would you not move in with someone? Like, how, wouldn't you want to know if you, it would work out beforehand? Of course, as Christians, we don't want to get divorced, and so we would want to test it out beforehand. And I remember my leader did not handle it well in that moment. He's like, no, Tony, that's not how it's done, and then continued on. But that's okay. What he was saying was actually true. I just didn't think he did it well. But I remember being in, in conflict of, of doubting, God, do you truly know what's best for me to be in a relationship with a woman? Like, obviously, like, we take a step back, we all know what the truth is, but my personal experience of it was, is what, is what God is saying here, is what Scripture is saying here, truly, like, objectively best. And as a junior in high school, I doubted it. It just didn't make sense to me. And I had to, like, reconcile this experience of, like, that, what I think is best is being told that it's not best, and so something's got to give. I imagine that you've probably had experiences like that here in HSM or maybe in your home of times where you've just doubted maybe what Scripture says. Maybe it's the miraculous aspects of the Bible. You just can't get past it. Or maybe it's uh, believing that Jesus actually truly was fully God, fully man, that there might be a list of things that come to mind for you. But for us to, 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 to really understand, as we're talking about this idea of doubt, we have to acknowledge that many of us experience what, what we call doubt. So what is it? What is doubt? Doubt, a simple definition of it, is the suspicion of truth. It's sus- like being suspicious of what is true. And for some of us, there's things that, that we, we, when we doubt it, it's actually a good thing. We can doubt that we're ready for the test that's coming up, maybe for your finals that are coming up, that we're getting stressed. You might doubt that you're ready for it, and that might actually be a good thing because you're not ready for it. You might doubt that you have enough money for your dream car, and because you've got $1,200 and your dream car is a Subaru, so that's probably a good doubt. Uh, and you might doubt that you blew out that candle yesterday, like before you went to bed, and you're like, I'm going to go check on it. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's a good thing I was doubting that because it was lit and you blow it out. But then there's times when doubting can be hurtful. Often we can doubt that we believe our parents say what's best for us or have what's best for us. We can doubt that maybe our friends even care about us. 
or I think often, maybe most hurtfully, we can doubt that we have anything of significance with our lives. We can have a suspicion of the truth that is there. And the same goes for in our faith. We doubt that God exists. We doubt that he cares for us. We doubt that following him is worth it. And we doubt that his ways are better than our own. We are suspicious of this truth. And we're going to be talking about a few things of what we do with our doubts. But the main thing that I want us to walk away with this morning, the main thing is that your doubts will not be forever. They won't. They have a season the main thing. We'll get to it at the end, but there will be a day when our doubts are no more. So hopping back into this passage, John 20, 24 says this, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. All right, right here in this passage, we've got Thomas, who is one of the disciples of Jesus, who somehow was not there when Jesus appeared to everyone else. I don't know what Thomas was doing, but he obviously missed out because when he came back to the group, whether he was on a little shopping trip, hanging out with other friends, who knows, maybe he slept in, whatever it was, he missed that Jesus actually reappeared. And so, of course, in his mind, when everybody says, you would never believe this, Thomas, Jesus has resurrected from the grave like he said he would, he's like, I don't believe it. I, I, like that, that's unfathomable. Like, I, I, I don't think that actually happened. I would literally need to place my hands onto his wounds to, to make sure it's the right guy. Which maybe seems a little gross. I think it's a little gross. But think about it. If you were in Thomas's shoes, wouldn't you doubt that? Wouldn't that be really hard to believe that that was actually what happened? That they, they weren't just like pulling a prank on him? And so really what, what Thomas wrote down on his back of his piece of paper of like, I would believe way easier if I would actually be able to see Jesus face to face after he's resurrected. Take a moment though. Think about who Thomas is. This is a guy who walked with Jesus. This is a guy who witnessed Jesus walk on water. This is a guy who witnessed Jesus multiply the loaves and the fish and feed thousands of people. This is a guy who saw him heal countless times, bring dead people to life. He was there for it, literally. He was present and saw it with his own eyes, smelt the smells. He heard all of the sounds. He was there for it. And this is his response. Thomas, the guy who saw it all, is doubting right here. What I want to say right here is, even though Thomas went through all of those extraordinary things, he still doubted. Guys, the first point, your doubt is normal. Your doubt is normal. To doubt uh, the things of Scripture, who God is, is a normal human experience. So many of us can feel so frustrated or ashamed by the moments where we begin to like, question God, question our beliefs. But this is a normal thing. We don't have to be afraid of them. It's actually normal, especially when we're talking about things that are significant. It happened for Thomas, for a guy who's gone through so much. I imagine there are things that people wrote on their paper in this room that Thomas actually got to see happen. And yet he doubted. 
There are things that could happen that you maybe would have written on a piece of paper that have happened at this point, and you still experience doubt. Doubt is a normal experience. Let's take the stigma away from it. And look at what Jesus does in response to Thomas's doubt. Eight days later, verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I love how Jesus really like, invites Thomas into this experience. Like Jesus intentionally left Thomas out. Really, when you think about it. I don't think it was an accident that Thomas wasn't there. But he invites Thomas into this experience of what his doubt led, leads him towards. It leads him to wanting to see Jesus work here. And I love that when Jesus shows up, he immediately moves towards Thomas and says, put your hands here. This is, what, this is what you were asking for. It's really me. I am really here. And he shows up. And that thing that, that Thomas was asking for happens. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and say that the thing that you wrote down will ever happen in your life. That is not guaranteed. It wasn't guaranteed for Thomas, and it's not guaranteed for us in this life. I don't know what you wrote. It could have been like, if dinosaurs come back, I believe God is real. Like, I don't know. I have no idea what you wrote. But for here in this situation, Jesus blessed Thomas by doing what he was asking, what he needed. But the coolest thing is actually what happens in verse 29 of what Jesus says. He says, Have you believed because you have seen me, Thomas? Is that why you believe? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What's Jesus getting at here? Jesus is making a point that there is good reason to have faith in him, even if the things that we doubt are never disproved. There is still good reason to have faith in him. He has done enough. Even if he doesn't fulfill every last one of our requests, there's still good reason to believe in him. I want to make known that, that doubt is not the opposite of faith. Do you hear that? Doubt, your doubts are not the opposite of faith, but instead it's an invitation for faith. Really, it causes you to, to take a step back and to consider, am I going left or am I going right? Doubt is like the step backwards and, taking a, and like reconsidering it. It's not the opposite of faith, it's really considering, man, is what I'm putting my faith in truly worthwhile? So once again, doubt is normal. But what do we do with it? Doubt can be really scary. It can be really isolating. It can be really shameful. And so what do we do with our doubt? Uh, this last week, uh, I woke up on Wednesday and felt in, incredibly sick, um, like so many, other, so many others of you have been sick in this season, or will get sick. It's coming, don't you worry. Um, but uh, I woke up, and um, I, I was not hungry at all throughout the day. I just kind of stayed in bed, which is why I wasn't here and didn't play kickball. Um, but I remember it was around, like, at 5 o'clock, got out of bed, and I was like, I'm finally going to eat something. Um, what's the acronym when you're sick you're supposed to eat? Brat, right? Bananas, rice apples. It's not tomatoes, that's acidic. Toast. 
That's right, toast. I went to go into the pantry to go get some sourdough bread, which we always have in our pantry, and the, I would say the second worst thing happened that can happen in that situation. Second worst thing, I reach in, no bread. No bread. We were out. Natalie ate the last of it that morning, and I was, I was sad, but you know when you're so sick that you can't like, have any emotion? You're just, oh, okay, I guess I'll eat this rice cake I found. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what's the worst thing that can happen, though, when you reach in for bread? It's moldy, right? We got a picture of some moldy bread just so you guys can be grossed out for it. How many times have you reached into the pantry to grab bread and you're like, this is going to make the best sandwich and you see that little green speck and you're like, no, it's there. And somebody told you at one point, and if they haven't, I will, that just because you see a little bit mold on there, that doesn't mean that the mold is only in that spot. It's all over. That's just all that you can see, right? Like, it's like, once mold is there, mold is there. It's like one of the grossest things that can happen to your bread. Who knows? Maybe there's worse, but that's one of the worst things that can happen. Have you guys ever wondered why you rarely see mold outside? What, what was that, Jordan? Because of the sun, right? You rarely see mold outside because of the sun. Do you guys know why? Is it because of the heat? No. Ultraviolet rays kill mold. And so we rarely see mold that is hit by sunlight because it dies. You, mold can ha- not thrive in sunlight. It needs to thrive in darkness, like in a bread pantry or like hidden in the back of the cabinet or something. And that's where mold thrives. And so if you don't want your bread to get moldy, just leave it outside, you know? Uh, that's a joke. Don't do it. But like our mold, our mold, like mold, our doubts will thrive in the darkness. Your doubts will run amok in the darkness. And so this next point is that your doubt needs to be brought into the light. Your doubt needs to be brought into the light. And that's going to be done in two ways. You bring it before God and you bring it before others, which seems to be the case with everything. But to bring our doubts into the light, we bring it before God and we bring it before others. The main point, your doubt needs, or not the main point, one of the points, your doubt needs to be in the light. In Mark 9, 23 to 25, it says this. And Jesus said to them, If you can, all things will be possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of this child who was asking Jesus to heal him said, I believe, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together and he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. I really want to highlight that phrase of, I believe, help my unbelief. Think of like, kind of how like backwards that phrase is. Jesus, would you do this? I believe in you. Would you help where I don't believe in you? Doesn't that put words to our experience so often? Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. This is a prayer that we can literally take out of Scripture that somebody said face-to-face with Jesus and we can actually continue to pray. Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Help me to believe that you actually are good when things are going bad. Jesus, I believe, help me to actually believe that you are powerful when I keep saying yes to my sin and no to you. Jesus, help my unbelief when I prayed and prayed and prayed for this person to follow Jesus, and yet they died without ever, ever accepting him. 
to bring these real things before God and say, I, I believe you, help my unbelief. What good is it for us to hide our doubts from God? Obviously, God knows them already, and so why wouldn't we actually purposefully bring those things to him? He's not surprised by anything that you bring to him. God is not surprised by anything that is going through your brain, and so why wouldn't we actually bring those things to him to pray honestly with him? Even when you doubt, he's listening. To actually speak those things to him and not feel like you have to deal with these things on your own. We can bring our doubts before God. But we don't just bring them into light before him, we bring them before each other. One of the main passages we've been talking about this whole year is Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This has been a key verse for us. It's on our shirts for this year, specifically Ephesians 4, 14. In this passage, what causes us to not be tossed by the waves of, of, the, of things we come across, bad teaching or things that seem to be convincing? How are we not tossed by the waves? That's actually, I'm like asking you, what does it say in this passage? What do you see? It's just by trying harder? Is that what it says? By community. Right? By the building of the body of Christ, it says, and we'd be built up in unity. We are not just being built so that we could each walk out of this room more individually strong. That's part of it. But we're being built into a body to rely on one another. We're called to bring these things up. So when we are going through the storms of this life, the things that will make our doubts strongest, we are called to bring those things to one another because you need each other. And it's not just about receiving, it's also about offering yourself. Maybe you're in a season where it's like, I actually feel really strong and confident and comfortable. What's it look like to go out of our way to find people in this room even who do not feel the same way? And to be someone who cares even when you don't receive anything back. Because that's the way of Jesus, to live sacrificially. We're called to bring our doubts to one another because they're not called to be in darkness, but in the light. Your doubts are only big and scary when it's on your own, when you're facing it by yourself. But here's the thing. If your doubt, if the things that you are doubting, well, let me take a step back. If what we say is truly true, then at the end of the day, your doubts will be disproven. Do you hear that? If what we say, if this if scripture, if the Bible is really true, if God is truly who he says he is, if Jesus truly went to the cross on our behalf and we have eternity waiting with him, if that's truly true, any doubt that you have against that at some point will be disproven. So you can actually push on that doubt. You don't have to hide from it because at the end of the day, we will find truth, right? Are you, are you tracking with me on this? Like if your, your doubts don't have to be big, big and scary because at the end of the day, we believe that this will be true. And so we will find truth behind the door that we're scared to open. We get to experience doubt in community. This last point, 
we get to look at is at the end of the day, we get that doubt will be gone. She will be released. And so with that, looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 13, it says this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been, I have been fully known. Your doubt has an expiration date. That's the next point. Your doubt has an expiration date. We're looking in a mirror dimly. We're seeing in this life where we've got a lot of the details and we're figuring things out, but there will be a day when we stand face to face with Jesus and our doubts are no more. There will be no more possibility of doubt because everything will be made so perfectly clear. The next verse says this in verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This happens in 1 Corinthians, which is like the love chapter that's like always read at, at weddings, and I remember thinking like, why with faith, hope, and love is love the greatest? Well, faith and hope, we're not going to need that in heaven, Right? If we're face-to-face with Jesus, if we are in heaven with him forever, we no longer need faith, which is trusting that God is who he says he is. We no longer need hope, like confidence in a positive future, a positive outcome, because all of those things have already come to fruition. And so faith and hope are things that we cling on to today. But love's going to continue to be forevermore because our doubts will be dispelled as we are with Jesus in heaven forever. We will live in relationship with God. Your doubts have an expiration date. You will either come to find out that your doubts are false or they will be dismissed as you enter into the gates of heaven. It's something we get to look forward to, which meaning your, your doubt doesn't win. Your doubt does not win. The moments that are to come, the moments that you're walking through right now, it does not win. I want you to even just take a moment. Would you actually just even close your eyes? Would you just picture it? If you would literally just close your eyes for a second. Just picture the moment where you never have to question what is true anymore. Picture the moment where you truly get to walk in freedom knowing who you are knowing what your life was all about, knowing exactly who God is and what he's won from you and that you are with him and there is no need to question anything. Imagine the freedom that is to come, the joy, the fear that gets dismissed, checked at the door that you don't need anymore. Don't you long for that? Really, don't you long for that? You can open your eyes. I... uh, I feel like this idea of, uh, of doubting kind of feels like this imagery of storm, which is kind of ironic that it's raining today. Maybe because it's raining, I was thinking about it. Who knows? Which came first? Um, but our lives are kind of like we're literally in a storm our whole lives. And it feels like we're just kind of waiting for the day for the rain to stop. Can I just encourage you that there is a day when the rain will stop? Will, will rain no more. Often when we get into these storms, it's different in Southern California because it doesn't really happen often. but often we can actually sometimes forget what the sun feels like, right? It's like, will there ever be a day that it's warm again? And we can forget. But it, the day is coming when the storm will be no more. I promise you. That is what we get to look forward to. And that's even what we're looking forward to in this Advent season. As Jesus returns, we long for that. 
we ask God to return because we want those things to actually happen. Your doubt is normal, your doubt needs to be in the light, and your doubt has an expiration date. I wanted to share personally, um, I was uh, considering for me, like, what's, what's the thing that I wanted to write down? Um, and I feel like the thing that causes me to doubt most often is when God doesn't answer good prayers in my timing. And what I mean by that is, like, uh, there's, there's prayers that I have that I feel like are, like, selfish prayers, you know? Like, God, I, I hope I get to work on time, uh, which usually isn't answered. Um, but, like, there's, like, things that kind of in the grand scheme don't matter, but I still ask for because we're invited to ask for. But then there's other things that I'm like, no, what I'm asking for truly matters in the kingdom of God. And there are times where I feel like I'm, I'm waiting far too long, almost like, why wouldn't God want to answer this prayer? Like, this is a prayer that he would want me, like, he would ask me to pray, Right? And there are times that I, I, I experience doubt that God will answer prayers or that God cares about my prayer because of times where I've, I've waited. And you know what? There are plenty of times where God has said yes to the things I've gone through, and I'm, I'm so grateful for those things. I never want to forget because I think we forget those things too easily. But I truly see that these times of waiting for good prayers, that I'm, like good things I'm asking of him, are times where I actually get to look to, to just trust him, that he is in control and he truly is good, even if, even if this never happens, he is still good. No matter what's in your hands right now, even if that's never, never happens, he is still good. With that, I'm going to invite up Tylee as she's going to close us out in, in some worship. My hope for us is as we, we worship in the, the, the next few minutes is that we would see Jesus on the throne, that we would praise him for being uh, our God who is with us, who cares for us, and is never leaving us even in the darkness of our doubt. So would you guys stand with me and would you pray? Father, we take this, this moment uh, to, to offer our hearts to you. Thank you, Father, that you are a God who cares about us in our doubt. Uh, Father, I think um, if I were in your shoes, I would, I would get so frustrated with me uh, because of how much you have done and you have proven yourself over and over again and yet I still doubt. But Lord, you are tender, you are kind, and you are near, you are present. Father, would that truth just echo in this place as we sing praises to your name, as we look to you as our God, our King, our Savior. We love you. Praise to your name.